This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Let me direct you to the homepage of my website, richardserrett.com, first of all, because there the poll question reads... Who killed JFK and why? Was it the bankers? JFK, of course, many believe, wanted to eliminate the Federal Reserve. Was it the CIA and a group of Cuban exiles? JFK changed his mind about invading Cuba. Some say he wanted to appease Castro. Was it the KGB who organized the assassination, most likely as revenge for the humiliation of the Cuban Missile Crisis? Was it as some suggest, the Israeli government, who were displeased with Kennedy for his pressure against their pursuit of a top-secret nuclear program. Is there a UFO angle here? JFK, some say, was about to make UFO secrets available to the public. Or was it, as Eisenhower warned in his farewell address, the military-industrial complex? JFK was about to withdraw from Vietnam. Was it organized crime? JFK's brother, Bobby, of course, as U.S. Attorney General, had declared war on the mob. Over the next two hours, I'd like your feedback on that very question. Who killed JFK and why? We'll make the phone lines available to you at 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Out of town from just about anywhere. From Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, one 740 1-866-740-4740. one 
1-866-740-4740. A little later in the show, we'll speak with a rather intriguing woman by the name of Pamela Ray. Who is Pamela Ray, and what does she have to do with the Kennedy assassination? She is the fiancé of a gentleman who is sitting in the Statesville Correctional Center in Joliet, Illinois, convicted of attempted murder of two police officers. His name is James E. Files. Who is James E. Files? Well, he has confessed on several occasions to being the grassy knoll gunman. James E. Files says he fired the final fatal headshot that killed the 35th president of the United States this very day, 46 years ago. All right. I um, have the, the very great uh, pleasure of uh, being uh, friends uh, with a gentleman seated opposite. He is a, uh, a JFK pioneer researcher. He is the man who smuggled the Sapruder film he smuggled the Sapruder film at great risk to his own safety and liberty uh, into Canada back in the early 70s where it was broadcast on a border television station. And that's how millions of North Americans came to see the Sapruder film for the very first time. He's a media scientist, an archivist for the late Marshall McLuhan, and as I say, a pioneer JFK assassination researcher. He joins me here time on, the, on the program time and time again. And we're happy to have him once more, Nelson Thal. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thanks very much, Richard. It's great being back here on a great blowtorch station and uh, exposing and discussing all these great, wonderful things. Eh? You know what's interesting about you? And I know that the, 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 the anniversary of JFK, JFK's assassination is supposed to be a solemn affair. But there, there's been some distance now. It's 46 years. So, sure. uh, and, and I read off some of the theories there about, about who, who killed JFK and, uh, and, and why. And, and some of them, let's face it, I mean, I've heard them all. I've heard all of the theories. I even heard that it was the limousine driver who shot Kennedy, you know, that he turned around and uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a few frames in the Zapruder film where it, it, it's quite apparent that the vehicle was actually uh, slowed down. Uh, and someone actually believes that uh, the limo driver turned around and shot him. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there might even be a, a handful of people out there who believe that Oswald actually did it. I mean, outside of Vincent Bugliosi and his book, I don't know. There, there aren't too many. I don't think that that actually still Oswald uh, believe Oswald did it. But if you had to sum it up as to who killed JFK and why, just give me the the group of individuals, or whether it was the KGB, the CIA, and then give me the motive. Yeah, I think it's important to look at it as police detectives because it is a crime, and police detectives focus on means, motive, opportunity. And I think we – let's just put the opportunity and, and means aside because once we understand the motive and uh, all the different levels of the pyramid and that had different motives to assassinate Kennedy, it will all fall into place and people will be able to see uh, backstage who was uh, pulling the strings, the puppet masters. All right. So let's, uh, let's begin that discussion then. I mean who, who really wanted Kennedy dead yeah. and, and why? 
Well, I think one of the great lines, Richard, that we could start with is the line from the movie JFK by Oliver Stone, which is really about Jim Garrison, let's remember, the famous – and Jim Garrison really tonight is a celebration of Jim Garrison who was the district attorney of New Orleans and found the man, the linchpin man at the center of the wheel of the pyramid who was in – was in the center of all the communication and making it go. Clay Shaw. Clay Shaw. Played by Tommy AKA, Lee Jones. First AKA of all, Clay Bertrand. Who, okay. You believe that the JFK movie is in essence a documentary because Oliver Stone's um, film, you, you think, comes closest to the truth. It's it's the closest movie that's verified by the documents. Okay. So, not, the, not the falsified uh, documents. Many of these documents have been falsified because they even control the forensics so they can give false forensics. As we know, the palm print f- that was found on the Mamakirk Arcano of Oswald was taken off his hand in the morgue. How do we know that? We have people who saw it happen, who came to JFK Lancer conventions, who talked about it. I've talked to the men who actually picked up Kennedy's body from out of the the box, the metal box at Walter Reed and put it on the – on the um, uh, slab, not at Walter Reed, at Bethesda, and put it on the slab, and the brain fell out, and he realized, oh, that wouldn't happen unless somebody's played around and sanitized this corpse. So there there was – they sanitized the forensics in advance. They took the body to Walter Reed, took out all the evidence that it was more than one gunman and then uh, took his brain out and put another person's brain in and sewed it up and sent it off to Bethesda where they had Colonel Fink do the autopsy. Okay, but let's get back to the uh, the central villain in JFK and uh, who who Garrison goes after. Yeah, Clay Uh, Shaw. Clay Shaw. Who was he and why did he want JFK dead? Well, Clay Shaw was a very interesting guy. He was uh, had terrific connections. He was connected basically to Guy Bannister of FBI Division 5. So he was connected to British intelligence and he was on the board of Permindex. And it's important to remember that the president of France, Charles de Gaulle, weighed into this discussion about who killed Kennedy and he said, well, Permindex that had Lewis Mortimer Bloomfield and Clay Shaw on it are a murder inc that are trying to assassinate me. And you'll recall there was uh, the movie about the attempt to assassinate de Gaulle and that was all based on Permindex was trying to assassinate him and he tossed them out through them out of France and at that time made this public statement about them, that they were trying to kill him. And that's the Permindex organization, the same one that went to Jamaica, set up headquarters with Stevenson, Intrepid, Ian Fleming, and then assassinated Kennedy. Why did the Permindex group want uh, Kennedy dead? Is this, are they part of the, the military-industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about? Let's go back to Clay Shaw. Shaw was not only connected to Guy Bannister, he was connected to Major Lewis Mortimer Bloomfield, as we mentioned, of British SOE, to Ian Fleming, the Winnie the Pooh operation, which was the one that got Hitler out of, out of Germany, the rat line to the Queen Mother, that's where we get the word M in the Bond films, to Sir William Stevenson again, the great the Canadian, and then back to Wait a minute, I got to stop you there. You're saying All that connected. The, the Queen Mother, who millions of of uh, of people throughout the Commonwealth saw as this endearing, uh, you know, woman, sent Ian Fleming into Germany during the war to get the letters that she sent to Hitler back, so that when the Russians went in, they wouldn't find her letters. Ian Fleming. We're talking about the Queen Elizabeth's Queen Elizabeth's mother. Yeah, who's dead now. 
You're, you're saying that she's she was connected, alive at the time. She's connected to Clay Shaw. Sure, she she's connected to Clay Shaw via Bloomfield. Via Bloomfield and Ian Fleming. How do you know this? Well, this is documented. So this is documented. You could go onto my Facebook site, many other sites, but Facebook's uh, Lenny Bloom. And, and, or and, cloakanddagger.ca and get those documents. Did, did this come out when Garrison was prosecuting Clay Shaw, his connections? Yeah, it all came out. This all came out, and some of it's in the Warren Commission. For instance, Clay Shaw's connected to Michael Payne, Michael Payne of Bell Helicopters, Michael Payne and Ruth Payne. You recall that that's where Marina Oswald and Lee Oswald came to when they came from Russia yes, to he... America. So Shaw is connected to Michael Payne. Michael Payne is connected to George de Morenschild. He's the one who brought Oswald back from, from Russia. Right. Met him at the, air, at the docks and brought him to Dallas. All right. Nelson Thal in studio. So all the connections uh, we'll get to. A pioneer a JFK assassination uh, researcher as we, we uh, uh, mark the, uh, the 46th anniversary of this very day in 1963. John F. Kennedy uh, shot and killed in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we'll also open up the phone lines, as I say. If you have a, uh, a theory as to who killed JFK and why, we'd love to hear it. Just a reminder, the fiancé of the grassy Noel gunman, James E. Files, alleged CIA and mob hitman who says he killed Kennedy. He fired the fatal headshot. Pamela will join us a little bit later in the show. Stay with us. The word we have is that he is dead, that he was shot by an assassin at the intersection of Elm and Houston Streets uh, just as he was going into the underpass. The word we have is from a doctor on the staff of Parkland Hospital who says that it is true. He was in tears when he told me just a moment ago. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416 360 0740 or toll free 1 866 740 4740. Clay Shaw, the linchpin in all this, it would seem. Nelson Thal in studio, media scientist, pioneer JFK assassination researcher, the man who smuggled the Sapruder film into Canada. Be- before we get back to, uh, to Clay Shaw, Nelson, um, let me ask you yeah. about. Uh, your uh, meeting Penn Jones, another uh, pioneer JFK researcher who knew yes. Garrison. Yes. How that all came down, how you, you came into possession. Now, this is a copy of the Zapruder film that Garrison had made from the original. He gave it to Penn Jones. How did you get hooked up? I mean, you were like, what, 20, 21 years old at the time? I wasn't even that. Yeah, I was tw- uh, 19. Well, I first met him in 1971. So you flew down to, was it Love Airfield at the time to meet uh, Penn Jones? No, I flew down to Dallas. Okay. And I flew, yes, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Love, it was I love. Flew down to, yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. And um, he was the publisher of the Midlothian Mirror, and he was attending a, uh, a convention there of, of people who were interested in the conspiracies and what was going Why on. Why did he trust you with a copy of the Zapruder film? 
Well, the thing is this, that I spent a lot of time with him in Dealey Plaza, and he had been a publisher of the paper Midlothian to uh, to Dallas. It's just an outskirts. It's just uh, like right. a, a suburb, not an outskirts. It's a suburb. And so he knew everybody at the Carousel Club. He knew Ruby. He knew all the rubbies. He knew everybody because that was his beat. He had come up as a journalist in Dallas, and it was his beat to know the mob, to know the cops, to know everything, and to know the railway cars. And he knew and found out and learned from the people involved. He knew, and from the scuttlebutt in the in the city through the through the different intelligence organizations that what had happened. Okay, so he gets a copy of the Zapruder film from Garrison. Well, he 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 goes to Garrison in 1966. After and this, it shows this in the JFK film. He he is the one who starts to read the Warren Commission. Jones, not not Garrison. First, Garrison thought that the whole thing was put to bed by 64, 65, and that Oswald was the man who did it. But then Penn Jones showed him the anomalies within the Warren Commission testimony, okay. and that set him off to start reading the Warren Commission. And then once he started to read it, he realized he could see it's not difficult to see the cover-up. Okay, so you get the Zapruder film, and you no during the '69 trial of Clay yeah. Shaw, they subpoena Garrison subpoenas a copy from Time Life. And Time Life prepares a copy for the court to go to the court, and it was a horrendous copy they made. It had splices. It was a, it was a horrendous copy. My first copy was an absolutely horrendous copy, but it was good enough to show that it was a man in a car being shot from the front. Right, and that was the smoking gun. But but you're bringing that into Canada. I mean, what it was, was illegal for me to go down to the states and get it because it was sealed in the archives for seventy five years. So what I did is I went to Penn Jones and I said, look, I want to get a copy of this and try and get it aired on, on, a, on a network in Canada and um, get it distributed, get libraries and universities to turn on their, their tape machines and tape it, get people through the university network. So where did you take it? Was it London or Chatham or Windsor? Well, it went to Windsor CBC and Toronto CBC. CBLT and then the one in Windsor and it got it broadcast now, at 2 in the morning. Now, prior to it being sealed in the uh, Times uh, Time Life uh, archives, had, it had been aired once before, had it not? Or was, well, it, was it this the first time? Been, this is the first time it was ever aired. It was. Yeah, this is the first time it was ever aired. It was, it was brought to the Garrison – a, Garrison had a film studio on standby. He illegally took the – I mean he was the district attorney, so who would charge him? But right. he took the film over the lunch break to the lab and had copies made, and my copy came from one of those. Okay. Had you been caught with that, what would have happened to you? I'd be in jail to this – today I wouldn't be able to show up at this studio. 77 years. That was the, that was the sentence? That yeah. Was 77, 77 years, years for possession of this cop. All right. That makes the drug thing look, look – anybody with drugs look – you know. Let's you get imagine back. 77 years. Okay. Clay Shaw and uh, Garrison went after Clay Shaw as sort of the linchpin behind all of this. So he was, uh, he was the, the person who orchestrated it. He brought, he brought the assassination team together. He did yes. all of this. Yes, and you were making some interesting parallels uh, uh, or, or connections between Clay Shaw. You even mentioned the Queen Mother. Yeah, for shame, Nelson, the Queen Mother. Yeah, come on. But uh, you also mentioned 
the uh, the family. He's reaching into his briefcase. He's pulling out uh, uh, volume 18 of the Warren Commission. How many people walk around with volume 18 of the Warren, Con- Warren Commission? Yeah, in volume 18 <laughs> of the Warren Commission, we discovered the Lee Harvey Oswald repatriation loan. The government said they're pay- stated they, they and they showed the check stub. They sent money to him in Minsk to return. And remember, here we've got uh, a man who's supposed to be a a, uh, a traitor. Right. But really, Oswald, the sad story, who grieves for Lee Harvey Oswald? Because Oswald was the double agent who infiltrated the network of the Murder, Inc. and was reporting back to the FBI and to the government, be careful, these guys are serious, they're going to kill the president. And they turned the double agent reporting it, the good guy, into the patsy. So Oswald thought he was part of some sort of a sting operation to, to, uh, to expose the uh, the shooters. He was he, he, even in the movie JFK. You hear uh, Pesci say, "As David Ferry, uh, we all thought he was a snitch." Right. They thought he was a snitch, and he was seen as a snitch because he was he was found out. He was snitching on them and telling the giving the information back to the government. Okay. Um, now you mentioned the the uh, the family that housed Oswald after he returned from uh, Russia. Ruth and Michael Payne. And uh, Ruth and Michael Payne are whom exactly? Well, they're both uh, working for the military intelligence agencies, and they're basically uh, handlers of sleepers. And like you know, they're basically using this guy as a sleeper to be a patsy, set him up as a patsy. But they have a, a, a real connection to the military-industrial complex because they were involved with what helicopter company? Uh, Michael Payne, who was a, a high-level executive at Bell Helicopters, and Ruth Payne was worked for Daddy Bush in the CIA. We she know that CIA. for a fact? For a fact, yeah. Okay, well, this is interesting because, Checks of course, from Daddy Bush to Ruth Payne. Well, Bell Helicopter, uh, I'm guessing, would have... St- to make uh, millions and millions of dollars uh, because of the war in Vietnam. Probably they did, right? Yeah, I think and then at the beginning of the show, I just wanted to point out, and I forgot to mention, treason doth never prosper. Why? For if treason doth prosper, none dare call it treason. And that's what this was. And people have been afraid to call it what it's been. And they put out lots of agent provocateurs out there to distract people from from that. So uh, is is that the reason then that they took Kennedy out? Because uh, some say one of his executive orders was to get the U.S. advisors out of Vietnam before the, the, uh, the war really even started? Certainly it's one reason. Another reason, big reason, is he started to print $2 bills, real dollars. In the United States, there's no money today. Backed by silver of, instead of uh, fiat money being printed by the Federal Reserve. Yeah, there's Federal Reserve notes today. There's no American dollars, no greenbacks. Kennedy was going into business, into competition. He was going into competition with the Fed, which is the Vatican banks, the Vatican bankers. So the $2 bill, he was closing the loophole. In what do you mean by Vatican bankers, Nelson? Well, the Rothschild, Ro- Rockefellers, Kuhn Loeb, Morgan Schiffs are all known to be the Rothschild of the Rothschilds Corporation, which is hired as an, as a, as to do the banking on behalf of the chair of Peter. The chair of Peter, you mean the, the, the pope? That's right. The papacy, not the pope. The papacy, which is the throne of Peter, the chair of Peter. So it's a monarchy. Let's be clear about this because you're not indicting... Catholicism here, I hope not. No, nothing to do with Catholicism. No, you're saying that some uh, secret group which infiltrated the Vatican. Is that what you're saying? Well, we're saying the the papacy. Yeah, and the Jesuits infiltrated the Vatican and took it over. That's the battle. The white pope and the black pope. 
certain elements within the Jesuits. Let's be clear. You're not suggesting that, uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, the Jesuits as a group, what, what are you reaching into that magic bag for now? He's pulling out a book, ladies and gentlemen. What is it? This is a great book, The Vatican's Holocaust by Avril Manhattan. I think what you've got to see is, you know, you go to the King James Version of the Bible and the preface by the translators said, don't be traduced by popish persons. So it's the popish persons and not all Jesuits are bad guys, Richard. Well, I hope not because you've got to be careful There's, there's the low-level Jesuits who are like – it's like a pyramid and the eye is at the top and everybody at the top of the organization are in, have the eye. They, they're in on the conspiracy. But of the lower levels of the – the guy who's a Jesuit out in Mexico is just unaware of it. I, yeah, I, let's be clear But he about hasn't that, taken the fourth oath. All right. I just don't want uh, uh, our good friends, the Catholics listening tonight, saying, what, they're blaming me for, the, for, for JFK? Well, no, they're totally out of, out of the loop on this. All right. Nelson Thal stays with us. Pamela Ray coming up uh, shortly, fiancé to the grassy Noel gunman, as we mark the 46th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. Back with more. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. And who killed the president? Oh, man, why don't you stop it? This is too big for you, you know that? This is... Who did the president? It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. Shooters don't even know. Don't you get it? Nelson Thal is in studio with me with his bag of tricks. I kid you not, he's actually, uh, he walks around with, a, with a, a copy of volume 18 of the Warren Commission in like his hip pocket. Uh, he lives and breathes the, uh, the JFK assassination uh, research and, and why not? As I said, he smuggled the Zapruder film into Canada. Uh, had he been caught, he tells me, he would still be in prison. Uh, in any event, that's how many of you saw that, uh, that historic piece of footage for the first time. Many contend that the Zapruder film has been doctored, however. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, your thoughts sure. on that, Nelson Thal? Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> this is, the Zapruder film is not the only thing that was doctored. Right off the bat, the picture of Oswald that was on, sent around the world the next day with him in the backyard with his gun was sliced through the chin. It was all doctored. The f shadow under the nose falls completely the wrong angle from the body. In other words, that's not him holding the, uh, the right. man liquor uh, carcano. Carcano, exactly, exactly. All right. And um, uh, the, the Zapruder instance, film. The, the, what did they do to the Zapruder film? Well, they've doctored the Zapruder film, and they doctored it right. Look, they doctored it by the time Garrison got it. They made a terrible copy. And then Grodin came out with his copy, and uh, it was been doctored right from the beginning. Uh, there's been frames taken out uh, right at the beginning, the Stemmons freeway sign where the umbrella man was sitting. You could see a vibration in it. They took out those frames. They, the car actually came to a stop. They sliced it so that it looked like the car never stopped. There were a lot of things that were going wrong. But even then, they still couldn't stop you from actually seeing and preventing it from being a smoking gun. The, uh, the, uh, the weapon in question, the man liquor. Yeah. It's often called the humanitarian gun uh, mm -hmm. because it's, they say, you know, it couldn't hurt a flea. Yeah. If, 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 if people know that, why would they have chosen uh, that as the weapon that, and, 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 and put that on Oswald, that he was using the man liquor. Uh, why wouldn't they use a more uh, a powerful weapon, like a Mauser? 
Well, it's very difficult. The way in which they got him linked to the to the gun is they uh, people in the false flag operation that Ruth and Payne was using. They were arranging for double Oswalds to be out there and to be seen and to make commotion with double Oswalds, as you know. You've seen, and of course uh, they they wanted to link him to a rifle, but they applied and um, forged his signature and. Uh, if you were going to assassinate the president, you'd go down to a gun shop and buy the gun. Instead of ordering it through the mail like he did. Yeah, he, so you don't leave a trail. He left a trail and that was a gun that you could easily do that with, not a Mauser. You wouldn't get a Mauser through the... But you were telling me in, in the earliest reports yeah. uh, after uh, Kennedy was killed, the earliest news reports said that the, the weapon was a Mauser yes, and not exactly. a Manlinger. So why did they change it? Well, they had to change it to a gun that they could link to Oswald, and they couldn't link a Mauser to him. Uh, one of the interesting characters in JFK is uh, played by Donald Sutherland, and I believe they call him Mr. X uh, in the movie, but that's supposed to be Fletcher Prouty. Right. Now, uh, who was Fletcher Prouty? Fletcher Prouty was a military colonel whose responsibility was to guard on behalf of the military, make sure there was a military presence around the commander-in-chief. In addition to the Secret Service. He in wasn't Secret Service. He wasn't Secret Service. Secret Service part of the Treasury. They guard the president, but so does the, mail, the military. The Secret Service works for the government of the United States, not the Pentagon. This is the Pentagon as commander-in-chief. The president has guard, is guarded as well by the military okay. wherever he goes. So Fletcher Prouty, where was he on November 22nd, 63? Well, he got sent to Antarctica to do a peep show that any private could do, he said. Uh, what do you mean a peep show? A peep show takes some journalists out to Antarctica and show them the modifications and what's happening there. Just a peep show, just to, to Antarctica. They got him as far away from Dealey Plaza as they, they wanted could to get, get him. Out of town. Out of town. And, and the, the interesting reports, true or untrue, that while Fletcher Prouty was over there, I believe maybe he was in Australia at the he time. He was in New Zealand. He was in New Zealand. He got a copy of a newspaper in which they named uh, – that was splashed across the front page of the newspaper that Oswald was the gunman. Yes. And he Keeping had, in mind that, that uh, New Zealand is what? Uh, I don't know, 22 hours ahead. ahead. He got the newspaper before Oswald was even arrested. Absolutely. As Oswald, he said, was still in the theater waiting for the police to arrive. At the time that he was reading the copy that said Oswald had been arrested. In other words, the, 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 the story. The planted story was prepared planted story. in advance. Just like Rich with 9-11. Remember how BBC reported that Building 7 had fallen down and the lady was reporting it and there was a live camera behind her and, the, and Building 7 was still standing? Right, right. It was like 20 minutes or half an hour too early. I mean, it's a joke. This is really a joke, you know. It really is. Let me ask you about, you mentioned Oswald's doubles. Yeah. And there is a famous photograph. You've shown it to me. I believe it was an, a an AP photo. Yep. And it, it, it clearly, to me anyway, as I look at it, shows Oswald at street level. I'm not sure if he's in the, uh, in the doorway of the, uh, the book Yeah, it's the James Altkins. If people are at the Google, just Google in James Altkins, AP photo, Dealey Plaza, those words, and you'll see the picture. And Oswald is in the doorway. As the motorcade is, is going by. At the by. instant that Kennedy is shot, you can actually see Kennedy holding his neck and Oswald in the doorway. So 
obviously that Oswald didn't have time to, you know, to fire the shot and then come down to street level. Yeah, that's impossible to be on the two places at the same instant. Now, what happened to that photograph? I mean, did it was it not was it published in in 63? What happened? Well, because it was a railroad operation and they were just going to paper and cover it up, they just ignored it. Nobody's going to they they this is tyranny. This is tyranny and fascism moving in. How do we know that photograph in the day of, you know, in, in, in the, with present technology, Photoshop, etc.? How do we, how can we possibly know whether that photograph is legitimate? Well, Be- it came out right away. Yeah, but unless someone was around and, and remembered it. Well, from Lee Harvey Oswald said he was right in the doorway, and you can look at the jacket when he was arrested. Google in Oswald in handcuffs. Take a look at the jacket, and you'll see it's the the one he's with the police in the lineup, and they. And uh, it's the same jacket and shirt as the man in the doorway. Nelson Thal is uh, with us, JFK assassination uh, research pioneer. And uh, you can listen to his online uh, program, cloakanddagger.ca. And uh, all your archives are stored there. But you can uh, listen live at that TV. That radio. Dot com. That TV, isn't it? That channel. That, that channel. Radio, that radio.com or that channel.com. That channel.com, Thursday nights at 9 o'clock. Or cloakanddagger.de. Yeah. Uh, again, back to Oswald's doubles. Yes. So you once told me that um, while you were teaching at the University of Toronto in the Marshall McLuhan Center, a student uh, or someone who was sitting in on your lectures for a number of weeks. Months. Months. Yeah came up to you and identified himself as Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, um, of course... What, I, hang, on, hang on. What year is this? Uh, 19... Uh, t- um, uh, between the years 1983 and 1995. So, a man identifies himself to you and he's, and he's sitting in your class, to your, listening to your lectures. He comes up to you at the, uh, the, what, the end of the school year and says, I've enjoyed your lectures. Hello, my name is Lee Harvey Oswald. Did you believe him? Well, he didn't do it the first year. He did it, he, he, he did it after many, many years. And you believed him? Well, the thing was this, that um, it was a very interesting situation. We asked him a lot of questions and he had a lot of interesting answers. What did he look like? Uh, he looked a little bit like Lee Harvey Oswald, but a little bit of his face was. Remember, they, I mean, plastic surgery is done all the time in the witness protection programs, and there's hundreds of people in the witness protection programs, and we have uh, uh, we have people who were in Toronto who were um, involved in the Kennedy assassination as gunmen, and and. Uh, and so, so Jack Ruby- and people who played the role of the doubles have lived here because Toronto is a great place to safe house. There's thousands of CIA agents on the streets. It's close to the United States. This has always been a hangout for, for, um, for mercenaries and and uh, and um, sleepers. So, if Oswald was living in Toronto, Rushdie okay. was safe housed here. Was he? British intelligence had him safe housed here. Sure. Okay. Uh, that's another show. But Oswald is living in Toronto in the uh, early to mid-80s, which means that Jack R- Ruby shot who? Well, a double. First, a double. A double. Uh, remember, <clears throat> remember from Russia with love, um, the golden hair boy Oswald was trained at Itsugi, Japan, spoke m- many languages, had radar secrets, 
uh, went to – defected to the Soviet Union, gave up the radar secrets to the Russians so that they can shoot down the U-2 spy plane of Francis Gary Powers. Powers in his book years later named Oswald as the defector who was responsible for him being shot down. And of course Oswald was put there as a double agent to do it in order to stop the summit between Eisenhower and Khrushchev, which was successful. Uh, in, in so a, he was the Pentagon's golden hair boy, the right wing general, not the Pentagon, the right wing generals who wanted to stop that summit. Oswald was the man, the agent they sent in to do it. And once you understand that, then you can understand why they then approached him for the executive action, which there's a whole book about it. OK, so why why then is Oswald spared? Uh, why wouldn't they have allowed Ruby to kill him? Because Oswald, that's, one, that's one less loose end. You have to worry about someone spilling the beans. Oswald's wife Marina's uncle and family are all KGB and arrange for a double to go back. And that's why even in the Warren Commission, the height chart, the chart of the height of his returning is two inches different from the one that left. So Oswald was living here in Toronto. The real one came and lived here in Toronto. And he was in your class. Yeah. Now, you said he said some things, some interesting things that led you to believe he might have been Oswald. Do you remember what they were? Well, he talked a lot about knowledge of the of of the whole operation and the pains and the and how he was going to be set up and he didn't want to, to be set up and he had friends in the other intelligence agency who could get him out and had a way to get him out and get him out of the mess because he pointed out that if he took the assignment, he knows that the minute he finishes with executive action, Bush would be after him with another hit team. And if he didn't take the operation and didn't do it and sat in Minsk, they'd kill him now because they've already exposed him what they're going to do. So the only way around it is to send a double back and have the double murdered on TV so Bush and all the guys realize, oh, he's dead. He won't, they won't come after me now. How he goes, is, into now, how, witness, how, he goes into a witness protection program and disappears. Bush, how, how is no, George no, Sr.? George Sr. connected well, to the JFK assassination. He was in Dealey Plaza. He was the CIA. He was running the CIA at the time. Right, right. Okay. George Bush, Daddy Bush, was running the CIA. And there's pictures of him uh, on my website. There's pictures of him in Dealey Plaza. He's make, now making the decision. He's right there in front of the Texas School Book Depository. And don't forget the November 29th letter from the FBI to the State Department. The State Department asked the FBI formally give us a, a letter saying who killed the president. And FBI's answer in writing from Hoover to the State Department is Lee Oswald killed John Kennedy. We learned it from orally from George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency. Ah, <laughs> all right. There's your smoking it's funny, gun. Rick. It's all right there in the records. It's no, there's nowhere. You know, it's no opinion. Not my opinion. It's all in the court docs. Hiding in uh, plain sight, as yeah, they say. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. All right. Stay with us. Phone lines still open at 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Out of town. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Who killed JFK and why? Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. 
All right, I have some very early poll results from my uh, homepage on my website, richardserrett.com. The question is, who killed JFK and why? 36.4% of you say it was the military-industrial complex because JFK was about to withdraw from Vietnam. 27.3% of you say the bankers, JFK, wanted to eliminate the Fed Reserve. 27.3% say organized crime. JFK's brother, RFK, declared war on the mob as U.S. Attorney General, and 9.1% of you say the CIA and a group of Cuban exiles because JFK changed his mind about invading Cuba. All right. Uh, was there something uh, in particular about Jack Kennedy, Nelson, that, uh, that, that rubbed these groups the wrong way, or was it just the, 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 the fact that he was holding the office at, time, office at the time? Had Richard Nixon won the White House, he would have been the guy gun down? Or, or, or was it something specific about what Jack Kennedy was, was planning on doing? Uh, Jack Kennedy probably wouldn't have allowed them to start taking control of the White House and start putting in bugs and everything that eventually caught Nixon. Uh, certainly, the, this was, an, uh, this was an, uh, in the works for many years. It was time as we see now with what's going on in the United States. There's no branch, three separate branches of government. It's all one single branch. It's moved to tyranny. And this was the not so much the murder of the president but the destruction of the executive branch. So they took out the executive branch of government. Kennedy just happened to be there. But uh, he he there were a lot he had a lot of enemies so it wasn't difficult uh, carrying it out and getting everybody to look the other way because they all benefited financially from him being taken out from the guys at the top. So it was a coup d'état, a big coup d'état, a major coup d'état. It was British imperialism uh, taking uh, attacking American democracy and taking it back. You you mentioned Fletcher Prouty. Yeah. Uh, who was uh, supposed to safeguard uh, Kennedy, but he was off in a wild goose chase, sent away. Uh, and again, that's uh, Donald Sutherland's character in JFK. Now, once they had Fletcher Prouty out of the way, did they not, am I remembering correctly, did they not change the parade route sort of last minute? Yes, the original published parade route had them coming down Harwood, turning onto Maine and going straight through Dealey Plaza without the diversion to Houston and Elm and going straight down Main Street and under the triple underpass and off to the trademark. And of course, what happened is uh, Earl Cabell, the mayor, the mayor of Dallas, was connected to the, one of the major guys, top level in the CIA, another Colonel Cabell, and they changed the route. So they now took a right onto Houston and left onto Elm. And uh, of course, uh, the rest is history. That's where they shot him. So, and you were sort of joking off the air earlier, uh, and this is a great line from Oliver Stone's movie. Uh, for those who think it was, you know, Sam Giancana and some Cuban exiles who were upset at JFK. Right. You know, could the mob change the parade route? Could the mob get the Washington phone system cut off? Could the mob get the entire cabinet on its way to Japan with the code book taken out? I mean, these are big, big things that happened at the time. A third of the American military were in the air, in planes, paratroops. There were a third were... There were paratroopers in the air in case the thing didn't go off and there was a rebellion against and Kennedy came out alive. They had, a, they had the military all ready to go to war and there was a second assassination team down the road on the Stemmons Freeway. There, were, there was a group of school children who later the teachers testified that uh, told the police that they saw gunmen down on a bridge over 
the Stemmons Freeway. So <laughs> there were no gunmen there from the Secret Service claims. The, nobody had gunmen there according – none of the gunmen – Government had gunmen there. So who, this was obviously a second assassination team and uh, they weren't going to let him get out alive. They had to get rid of him as part of getting rid of the executive office of the – and shutting down the executive branch. And that's when they took over and eventually we had Carter and Reagan and Secord and North and Wag the Dog. The mo and the movies have been showing this, right? The movies have been showing Wag the Dog, executive action. They've been showing exactly what really happened. Uh, you and I went to see a film a couple of years ago uh, called Spooks, Hoods, and the Hidden Elite about a gentleman by the name of Chauncey Holt yeah. uh, who claims that he was on the hit team. And um, he, um, he was uh, involved with the Chicago mob, um, much the same as uh, our next guest's fiancé was, uh, James E. Files, an alleged CIA mob hitman. Right. Do you uh, do you think you have a, a pretty good handle on on who the sh the actual shooters were and maybe where they were positioned? Well, I think Penn Jones knew where they were positioned. You know, at certain points, it no longer really matters uh, totally who was the actual name of the trigger man. I mean, Jim Hinks showed up and went to Jim Garrison and showed a picture of him in Dealey Plaza and showed him the – there was a picture of him and you could see a walkie-talkie in his back pocket. There were a number of different people. He wound up at, at a mental facility and, and uh, Garrison couldn't get him into court. So – a lot of these people were were um, were uh, were removed, and some of them weren't. And and, and I mean, they would they'd use cells. So the guy shooting on the grassy knoll would never have met the guy in the Dow Text building. The guy in the Dow Text building would never meet the guy who was on the County Records building. And the guy at the top of the, top of the Texas School Book Depository was doing the radio. The radio guys. I mean, and uh, the the, the um, the three tramps were part of the radio team and the first guy, Frenchie, is, is listed as uh, being a Chicago mob. Sh Sherman said he was alive and saw him in Chicago. Sherman Skolnick. Skolnick saw him in Chicago in the 90s, yeah. a researcher. And uh, the actual names of uh, – I, I really believe that the second tramp is probably E. Howard Hunt. I mean the third tramp, the third in that lineup that you say. Right. And then there's a fourth one who's got an overcoat that's tremendously long that they've never found. Um, not the overcoat. I mean, he had this long overcoat and it looks like he's hiding. You, you could put a rifle in the coat. But these guys would have disassembled it and they got into the train cars and that's where they took them out. They, these tramps were in the train cars, clean shaven. They never they, – uh, clean clothes, clean shoes. Actually, one of them was wearing police-issued – Boots, but dressed like a, and and don't forget they they had the the epileptic attack staged at the corner of uh, Maine and Houston, and the guy got into an ambulance and t in order to draw the crowds away from the from from over at uh, Main Street. Right, right. They drew the crowds away by staging a, an epileptic attack, and the guy got out got out of the ambulance and ran away three blocks later, and the ambulance attendants never were able to identify that guy. So there was a whole operation in play that day. Coming up in a few moments, Pamela Ray is going to join us. And um, she is the fiance of James E. Files, who's in Joliet, uh, as we speak, serving uh, 50 years for attempted murder of two police officers. He has confessed on uh, several documentaries to being the grassy Noel Gunman. 
uh, using a weapon he called the fireball. And uh, he, uh, well, she'll tell us a little bit more about him. But what, what, before we, we listen to Pamela Ray's story, yeah. I mean, is it possible, do you think, that a shooter would still be out there alive somewhere and allowed to confess? Or wouldn't they have knocked all of these people off to, you know, to make sure that it doesn't get out? What, what do you think of the, the, the possibility that her story is correct? It, it, there's no doubt it's possible that there are still some shooters around depending on which organization they came out of. Military people, intelligence people usually get rid of their teams as we saw with Dr. Kelly. We had uh, – I, I did an interview with uh, Michael Shrimpton, Sir Michael Shrimpton, lawyer for MI5, MI6 and he talked about how the wet team that did the Kelly, Dr. Kelly because uh, was, was immediately taken out. The se- by a second team. Right, right. But the mob, they don't do that. The mob do not take out their hip teams. So if one of the shooters was mob, he'd be alive today. If another was from British intelligence or part of an intelligence organization, he's probably been taken out. The, um, the, uh, the files that have been sealed until something like 2030. Yeah. Um, tell, Tell me a little bit about about those. Why would they have sealed? What files are we talking about? Uh, well, these se- files were sealed by the Warren Commission, and they really were file- sealed because they were full of information that would have exposed and indicted and uh, convicted George Herbert Walker Bush. So Bush, got, in order to sanitize those files of his records, he um, uh, got one of his lawyers onto the Irvin Commission during Watergate. And during Watergate, there was a picture of Oswald with a number of the, uh, of the, of the plumbers. And um, so they sent – Bush was able to send a lawyer into those 75 files and sanitize it and destroy all the information and evidence of, about his, of his involvement. But you're just speculating here because those files are sealed. You have no way of knowing for sure that, that uh, that's the, those are the contents of the files and that they would incriminate George Bush Sr. Well, no. The, 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 there's pictures. There's, there, are, there are people who are in possession of those files. And, there's, and there, it's known that he was involved in the assassination. I mean, I mean the FBI letter said it. The FBI told the State Department he was involved. Uh, there's pictures of him there. He was the head of the CIA, running the CIA under the director at the time. And uh, it's known f- like from Sandy Berger who worked for H- – Hillary Clinton was the lawyer who was sent in. She sanitized the Rosemary Wood tapes. The Rosemary Wood tapes are? Are the 18-minute Watergate tape that had Nixon in his office talking about Bush and the Cuban and thing about Bush and his involvement in the JFK in the JFK that was the 18 minutes that was rele- erased. You're and saying you're alleging that Hillary? No, I'm not alleging. The, the the researchers allege that. Penn Jones said that. Sherman Skolnick said that. Uh, lots of people have said that. That Hillary Clinton was Sherman was, Skolnick was brought in to that. To, a lot of other researchers. Hang on here. Hillary Clinton was, was brought in was to brought sanitize in. by Bush. She was Daddy Bush's lawyer. Why would they need a lawyer to erase some tape? Because the only way to get into the archives is to have a royal – the Senate Irving, the Senate committee, ha, its, its lawyers go into the files. Like their lawyers go into the files. When you have – remember Sam Irving and Sam Dash, the, the men running the Irving were all lawyers. 
Sam Dash was the head chief counsel. She worked for Sam Dash, Hillary Clinton. So she got sent into those archives. She was sent into the United States archives, could sign in and go in and start looking at it. And remove the and portion Sandy of the Berger, Sandy Berger put some of it down his pants and walked out. And that came out during the um, during a number of court cases. All right. Well, but Sandy it, Berger and okay. her. But yeah. this, this to me, though, I mean, sounds incredible that, that uh, you're saying the, the former first lady and now the U.S. Secretary of State was. Google was, it in, Rich. Was responsible. <laughs> oh, I can Google it. I'm yeah. sure something will come up. But I, mean, I need documentation, report. Nelson. Skol- this is a serious allegation. I need documentation. Skolniksreport.com. All right. Uh, let me ask. I just I find this unbelievable. So and many others. Flacco.com, TomFlacco.com. There's a lot of great researchers out there. So, but 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 these records are sealed. These and records, whistleblowers, Rich. Well, uh, I, I appreciate a lot of people have worked. Uh, you know, dedicated their lives to this. But again, people out there listening, I think would find some of this just to be uh, absolute fantasy. But. Let me ask you about, uh, before we take a break, and we, we're going to bring Pamela Ray on here shortly. And that is, yeah. uh, to what extent was LBJ, do you think, involved? There's a famous photograph of, of LBJ wink. giving wink. a very knowing wink yeah. to, uh, I'm not sure if it was a, a congressman or a member of NASA, as he's heading to Air Force One to be sworn in as president just after leaving um, the hospital and JFK is declared dead. Now... It's it, it's a, it's a rather incriminating photo, except you know, keeping in mind it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a snap of a finger, a photograph like that. Yeah. And he, he could have had something in his eye. Who knows? It could mean absolutely nothing. But when many of us look at that photograph, knowing that LBJ was, let's face it, a pretty ruthless, a pretty ruthless politician. Yeah. Uh, and um, but, but, but to what extent do you think he might have been involved? Well, there was a meeting the evening before the Kennedy assassination at the famous um, oil cartel man, Clint Murchison. And he was the man whose check paid for the treason. There were were, um, wanted for treason posters up and published in the paper and on the billboards of Kennedy. If you've seen them, wanted for treason. And that was paid for by a check by Clint Murchison. And Murchison the night before had a lot big meeting at his house. And um, Clay Shaw was there. And Jack Ruby was there. And Richard Nixon was there. And Lyndon Baines Johnson was there. Hmm. So nobody bugged it. But that should tell you something. Just like the night before Reagan was assassinated, Neil Bush was having dinner with um, Hinkley. Hinkley's parents. I mean, come on. Do you really need to have a, a, a tape of what was being said at the meeting? At those, you know, I mean, it, was he involved? Of course. He was told to look the other way. He wouldn't be involved in the planning. Just look the other way, Lyndon. Something big's going to come your way. Just look the other way and do what we say, and you'll be fine. And that's what he would have known. So was he involved? No, but he was told just to look the other way. All right, when we come back. The fiancé of the grassy Noel Gunman. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
thousands will be on hand for that motorcade now, which will be downtown Dallas, uh, down uh, Cedar Springs, to Harwood, and on Harwood, it'll turn on Maine, from which point it'll go all the way down to the courthouse area, which is the end of Maine. It'll turn on uh, Houston Street to Elm under the triple underpass, out to the march where the president talks at uh, approximately 1 o'clock. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You'll excuse the fact that I'm out of breath, but about 10 or 15 minutes ago, a tragic thing from all indications at this point has happened in the city of Dallas. Let me quote to you this. This is from the United Press from Dallas. President Kennedy and Governor John Colony have been cut down by assassins' bullets in downtown Dallas. They were riding an open automobile when the shots were fired. The president, his limp body carried in the arms of his wife, Jacqueline, has rushed to Parkland Hospital. We just have a report from our correspondent, Dan, rather in Dallas, that he has confirmed that President Kennedy is dead. There is still no official confirmation of this. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. All right, I've, uh, I've sent Nelson Fall to the corner, to stand in the corner for saying some outlandish things on the airwaves, claiming that Hillary Clinton was uh, George, Senior's, uh, George Bush Sr.'s lawyer and uh, she was uh, called in to sanitize some Nixon tapes which implicated him in the JFK assassination uh, and um, also at some point in the, uh, in the evening, I think he, uh, Nelson that is, suggested the Vatican's involvement. Shame, Nelson. Shame on you. All right. Uh, he'll be back uh, at some point in the program, I'm sure. Uh, now, I want to get to uh, our next guest. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a gentleman sitting in Statesville Correctional Center in Joliet, Illinois. His name is James E. Files. He is an alleged CIA mob hitman who has several times on several in several television documentaries confessed to firing the fatal headshot that felled the 35th president. And uh, his fiance, who has been associated with James Files since the late 90s, apparently uh, he asked her to marry him in 2000. Her name is Pamela Ray, and she joins us on the line from the great state of Hawaii. Pamela, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, thanks for having me. And can you please speak up, because I can barely hear you. All right. Um... Let me uh, see if we can boost the volume at our end. and uh, That would be really great, because I'm really straining to hear you. All right, uh, Pamela, we should also uh, mention uh, the name of the book, Interview with History, the JFK Assassination. Let me ask you how you first became associated with uh, James Files. Okay, well, that happened back in uh, 1999 when I first wrote a thank you letter to him, but I have to take you back even a little bit further, in 1997, I was in my church library and I was looking for some end time books to help me understand what was going on. And I stumbled across the book, High Treason, The Assassination of President Kennedy, What Really Happened. And at that time, I hadn't really thought about that because I was a good, faithful Republican, um, 
Rush Limbaugh listener, uh, right-wing person, Christian coalition, all that, right? So um, I was um, looking at that book, and I took it to my pastor after I finished it, and I was telling him it was really very serious subject that um, that the presidency was taken over back when Kennedy got killed, and he said, oh, don't get into that conspiracy stuff. It'll wreck your life. This is before I met Jesus. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that, too. But um, I saw the, the first confession video that he did called Confession of an Assassin. It was put out in 1990. I think the interview was done in 94. It was put out by MPI in 96, and I saw it in 98 in, uh, like, December. And then at the end of the video, James Files was saying that, um, you know, I heard his whole confession, and then the interviewer was asking him if he believed in God, and James Files goes, oh, I guess so. Um, found myself praying to him when I'm in trouble, and he's pulled me out of it, so I guess I believe in him. And long story short, I'm a strong Christian, and I believe that um, if I would just kind of befriend him and tell him the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he might understand and want to accept him, so... I wrote that thank you letter with the intention of just making friendship with them. I didn't plan on anything else. The rest is history, as they say, but that's initially how I contacted James Files in the first place. And then in 2000, September, I went over there to um, visit him. He'd already had an encounter with the Lord two different times um, in 1999 in July. And then in September 2000, I was over there visiting him, and... First thing, he got on his knee, asked me to marry him. I was kind of surprised and shocked. I knew he cared for me and he loved me, but I didn't think all that was going to happen. And then after I said yes and he was getting back up in his chair, he said, okay, now that I have that, you know, understood, I, I want to ask you if you would write a book with me. And I go, what? Write a book with you? Um, why me? He goes, because I think you care about the truth and you don't have any hidden agenda and you'll tell the people the truth and I only trust you and I want you to do it. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it with God's help. But, I mean, this is kind of like a big a big assignment, you know, for somebody just a regular person like me. I thought that was a pretty big assignment. And, and it was during the course of writing that book that uh, he explained to you his role in the Kennedy assassination. That and other things, because the original title was going to be To Kill a Country. And to James Files, the JFK assassination was nothing. And to me, it was something, because, you know, that was our president. But CIA, mafia guy, it was nothing. It was a real insignificant um, walk-away job, you know. It was like nothing compared to the firefights he's been in and different situations and torture this and all that. So, you know, he, he, he thinks it was nothing and people need to get over it. I'm like, Jimmy, forever people will never get over it. It's the moment our country stood still in time, and we haven't gotten past that as a nation. A military coup happened. You were part of it. You, you started explaining to people about your, you know, Charles Nicoletti, Sam Giancana, and Tony Accardo associations, but you need to talk more about your David Phillips, your Ed Lansdale uh, associations with the Hunt family and David Atlee, paramilitary. David Atlee Phillips, uh, CIA, the man that recruited James uh, for the Bay of Pigs. Etc. Is yes. that is that the same yes, one we're talking did. about, David Phillips? And okay. He um, got him from Ted Shackley when he was over in Laos originally. James Files went to Laos in uh, 1959, and it, he was part of 
something that Colonel Prouty oversaw in a, in a big way. It's called um, Operation Mobile White Star, and it was basically setting up a staging area for the Vietnam War and uh, to get full control with Air America and all that with the opium business over there. Yeah, it's a big story. Okay, so James Files, uh, let me remind listeners, Pamela Ray is on the line from Hawaii. Are you still a fiancé to James, or have you been married? Um, yeah, we've, we've exchanged our vows, and we're, you know, we've been together for whatever it is, 10 years now, so we consider each other our life Husband partner. and wife, okay. If, if he never gets out, you know, it's just something I've already accepted, but I never give up on miracles because a miracle brought us together. Uh, a miracle has kept him alive. A miracle, a series of miracles have kept both of us alive, and we're here telling the story, and God's not done with the story yet, so I, I don't ever give up hope. Now, just uh, let me back up again. So James Files is uh, serving uh, with, um, or in Laos, uh, setting the, uh, the stage for the U.S. Uh, involvement in Vietnam, for the Vietnam War. Correct. And uh, at some point, if I understand the, uh, the narrative, he... Uh, allegedly or is convicted of killing two of his own, um, two members of his own team. Is that right? He um, did kill um, some members of his own team, and it got him court-martialed, and he was recommended for psychiatric um, evaluation and review, and he was sent to the Maywood um, Veterans Hospital over there in the suburbs of Chicago, and that's where David Atlee Phillips intercepted him and introduced himself and brought him into the CIA. He figures that his life goes back to when, when they intercepted him there, because I go, when did you become federal property? And he goes, oh, if I have to trace it all the way back, it would probably be right then. And that's when the, the court-martial is uh, almost inexplicably overturned, and your husband, James Files, is recruited for uh, the CIA uh, Bay of Pigs invasion. Yes. And for did training he t- and for um, helping organize the men in the secret training paramilitary camps that the CIA was running in Florida, Louisiana, and California. All right. Uh, Pamela, stay with us. Uh, are you hearing me all right, by the way? Yeah, it's better. Terrific. I can hear you better. Am I talking too loud? No, you're uh, coming in loud and clear. Okay. Pamela Ray, her husband, James E. Files, former CIA mob hitman. The grassy Noel Gunman, he claims, will delve further into this fascinating, perhaps previously unknown chapter in the JFK assassination as we mark the 46th anniversary. My name is Richard Serrett. I love talking about Kennedy. I was just down in Dallas, Texas. You know, you can go down there and uh, to Dealey Plaza where Kennedy was assassinated. And you can actually go to the sixth floor of the school book depository. It's a museum called the Assassination Museum. <laughs> anyway, they have the window set up to look exactly like it did on that day. And it's really accurate, you know? Because Oswald's not in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Loose lips sink ships, and sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Lenny Bloom, or rather, uh, Nelson Thal is uh, in studio. Nelson Thal in studio. I mentioned... Is Nam de Plume is, uh, is uh, Lenny Bloom. 
and uh, he's uh, actually uh, hard at work in the corner on uh, the internet. He wanted to pull up some pictures for me and post them. Uh, and let me direct, um, for those who have been following along at home from the onset here at 11 o'clock, if you go to twitter.com forward slash Bloom Lenny, twitter.com forward slash Bloom Lenny, and the, uh, the first article that's posted there, it'll say, Pictures for Richard Serrett Conspiracy. Show. Show. Pictures for Richard Serrett Conspiracy Show. All right. And then if you click on that link, it'll take you to uh, a rather impressive gallery. We mentioned the AP photo that shows Oswell in the, uh, on the street as Kennedy's motorcade is passing by and as Kennedy is clutching at his throat. So there's Oswell on the street, or what appears to be Oswell. In the doorway in the doorway as Kennedy's being shot. Uh, there is also a shot of, or a picture rather, of Daddy Bush, George Bush Sr., uh, outside the Texas School Book Depository. There he is. And um, a, a lot of other uh, amazing uh, photos all associated with the JFK assassination. Again, go to twitter.com forward slash Bloom Lenny and, and uh, you just click on, it says Richard Serrett Conspiracy Show and the whole gallery will uh, pull up. Good work, uh, Nelson. Thank you for that. All right. Uh, and on the line from Hawaii, Pamela Ray, whose husband is um, former CIA mob hitman James Files, who's serving 50 years for attempted murder of two police officers, and he has confessed to being the grassy knoll uh, gunman. All right, uh, Pamela, because uh, time is uh, not our friend, always racing along, uh, let me just jump ahead. After the Bay of Pigs... Uh, your husband's involvement with the Bay of Pigs. Uh, he is then somehow recruited by the Chicago mobster Sam Giancana. Is that correct? Um, he was already associated with the Chicago element. Uh, he grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. He knew a lot of those people from long way back, since he was 12 years old. He was born in Alabama. He went to California, and then he went to um, Chicago when he was 12, I think, and then um, he, he grew up around that, and so I, I don't know the exact day that he met Sam Giancana, but he started working for Charles Nicoletti as his driver after he got back from Laos. All not, right. Not before. Okay, so uh, take us uh, to uh, the, November 22, 1963. Where is uh, James E. Files uh, positioned along the, uh, the, uh, the presidential motorcade route? Okay, everyone knows where the grassy knoll is, right? Of course, yes. Okay, so if you're looking straight on at it, there's those stairs that go up. Yes, no, yes. On the, on there's, the hill, there's yes. stairs. Yes, and then there's that the, brick, uh, there's that, right that, that, that wall there, the brick wall, yeah. yes. And then if you, um, yeah, Abraham Zapruder's position would be off to the right a little bit more. But if you go up those stairs, and there's a little corner there, and then if you go down that corner about 30 feet, uh, where there's some little branches hanging down back then. The trees are different now, I'm sure. But um, there was a little spot there is where he positioned himself. Okay. All right. So he's standing there. Has his photograph ever shown up in any of the, for example, if you, if you look at the Zapruder film or any of the, the, the still photographs taken? Uh, I've looked through all of them that I could ever see, and I've never seen a clear picture of them. Uh, I've seen a picture where it looks like there's the badge man and all that going on. That's further, uh, closer to Abraham's Zapruder, if you're looking straight on at the grassy knoll fence line there. And where he was standing was off to the left of that, and about 
20, 30 yards max down from that corner of that of where the fence um, takes the angle. Just shy there. of the underpass. Yeah, this side of the underpass. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo now and uh, of that section of the grassy knoll, and there's a pergola there. Okay, so, and, and um, he, tell he me was about... originally sent there to go um, to transport weapons to Dallas. Take it back just a little bit. Six months before the assassination, Charles Nicoletti approached him one day, one evening, whatever it was, in the Harlow Grill, and that's a um, little uh, restaurant, little grill on the outskirts of Chicago as well, out in Melrose Park. I don't know if it's still there, but it was a few years ago. Anyway, they were in there, and uh, he was playing pinball, and Charles Nicoletti says, I need to talk to you. He says, okay, Mr. Nicoletti, let me finish this game, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, I need to talk to you now, kind of thing. And he's like, okay, whatever you say, Mr. Nicoletti. Basically, he says if Mr. Nicoletti would have told him to jump off a cliff, he would have done it. You know, he was just following him around trying to be somebody with somebody that... Charles Nicoletti was a hitman for Sam Giancana and, you know, somebody that was a respectable guy, but that's what he did. You know, in the neighborhood, that's, people respected him. They didn't think less of you. They thought more of you if you hung out with somebody like that, right? So James Files was asked by Charles Nicoletti to transport weapons down to um, <clears throat> Dallas. But I think some of the story that hasn't been told is that there were plots to kill him in Chicago, in Miami, um, even somewhere else in Texas. I'm, I can't think of it right now. And was your husband on those assassination teams as well? He, he was being informed through Charles Nicoletti, through Sam Giancana, what what the plans were because th- things would change you know so it might be this it might be that so they finally got word that he was going to go to Dallas and then they started planning you know to go down there and, and originally he was only there to to bring in in the, the weapons to bring in the weapons initially Charles Nicoletti wanted him to transport it by himself in a special made car they had for transporting weapons and that's that's what they did so how did he um, come to be one of the shooters then he became a shooter the day of November 22nd, when um, Charles Nicoletti got in early that morning from this place called Grace Ranch with this guy named Chauncey Holt, who brought in fake Secret Service ID, and all that was going on, and he said Charles Nicoletti um, had told him that Johnny Roselli had gotten spooked, he didn't want to do it, Uh, some people in the CIA are saying abort, and he said unless Sam Giancana tells me that we're going to call this off, I'm, I'm going for it because basically with a few swear words in there, um, you know, we're, it's a go. We're going to do it. Unless Sam tells us it's called off, it's a go. So um, he says, would, would you mind backing me up? And he says, of course, Mr. Nicoletti, I'll do anything you want. So he says, if you were to position yourself somewhere out here in the plaza, where would you be? And he says, up there on that um, knoll behind the fence, because you got the trees for a little bit of a cover, and, you know, it's, it's a good spot, you know, you can get away, and it's it's perfect. Let me just uh, stop you there. Where, where do you think I should go? And he said, um, probably in one of those buildings in a lower floor and get a low, flat trajectory on the, on the shooting. <clears throat> and so Charles Nicoletti was one of the other shooters. Okay, let me stop you there, Pamela. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll continue to de- delve into the confession of the grassy Noel gunman, your husband, James E. Files... The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The magic bullet enters the president's back, headed downward at an angle of 17 degrees. It then moves upward in order to leave Kennedy's body from the front of his neck, wound number two, where it waits 1.6 seconds, presumably in midair, where it turns right, then left, right, then left, and continues into Conley's body at the rear of his right armpit. Wound number three. The bullet then heads downward at an angle of 27 degrees, shattering Conley's fifth rib and exiting from the right side of his chest. Wound number four. The bullet then buries itself into Conley's left thigh. Wound number five. In which it later falls out and is found in almost pristine condition on a stretch in a corridor of Parkland Hospital. That's some bullet. That's some bullet. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Pamela Ray is with us in Hawaii. Her husband, James Files, is the grassy Noel gunman. He claims fired the uh, fatal headshot that killed the president. All right, so uh, Charles Nicoletti is stationed um, in, the, was it the Book Depository Building? In the Dell Tech building, which is across the street. Ah, okay. And, uh, and he's in there with Johnny Roselli, and the guy that let him in there was um, Jim Braden, or Eugene Hale Braden, who's associated with the Hunt family, oil, Hunt oil family, not Howard Hunt. All right. All, even though they're all friends. And your husband's uh, on the grassy knoll, and uh, uh, he's carrying uh, what type of weapon? He has a, a Remington... XP-100, it fires, a, I believe, a 222, and it is a uh, modified handgun, a, a short uh, rifle, like a handheld pistol with uh, a longer barrel on it, and there was a scope, but in that short of a distance, you, you really didn't need a scope, but, you know, there's no missing on this one, so had a scope on there, too. James Files, um, Lee Harvey Oswald had taken him out earlier in the week to uh, test fire it. Lee Harvey Oswald was an FBI and a CIA informant, and the anti-Castro people put him together. And there were two factions of the CIA putting out um, dis- disinformation information to totally muddy the water so people like us later on are trying to figure out what the heck happened with him. Well, in, in the movie JFK, uh, um, Oswald, uh, or the, the David Ferry character, uh, who's played by Joe Pesci, uh-huh. refers to Oswald as a snitch. So was Oswald, according to James Files, a snitch? Was he a patsy? Or was he actually involved in the, uh, the, uh, the assassination team? He wasn't involved in the assassination. He never fired a weapon. There's paraffin tests that prove that he never fired a rifle that day. He was a patsy. He was set up, uh, like I said, by the anti-Castro-Cuban right-wing paramilitary types. All that was something that was pre-set up a long time before November 22nd. But did, Long did, time before even six months planning. But did Oswald, the, um, did Oswald think that he was part of some sting operation to expose the assassination? He was supposed to infiltrate. He was part of an FBI um, infiltration group for the John Birch Society and those extreme groups. He was in the same, um, same uh, network of people that were uh, supposed to be reporting back not only to the FBI but to the CIA about what was really going on. Okay. So um, your husband armed with this um, modified Remington, I believe he refers to it as a fireball. 
Fireball, Remington Fireball, XP-100, and it was a uh, prototype weapon. It hadn't come out on the market for general sale, but it was a weapon that Remington had made for the CIA for assassinations, and James Files said that JFK was the third time that the, that gun had been used for assassination. And he's, he's instructed by uh, Charles Nicoletti, uh, hitman for Sam Giancana, to fire at Kennedy's head only if he misses? Only if they were missing because everything was supposed to be from the back. And then he said that his head hadn't been hit yet. It sounds terrible. Um, And Jackie was getting in the field of fire, and so he had to take the shot, or else why is he there? So why was he concerned about hitting Jackie? Because they were told not to hit anyone but Kennedy, especially her. And so uh, he he sees that uh, that the that uh, that uh, while Kennedy has been hit, he has not been hit in the head. They are instructed to go for a headshot, so he makes a decision to fire. And he does it, and it and the rest is history. And it uh, it went backwards; everything went back, right? And all the brain tissue and all that stuff went to the side and back. So I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald, even if he was in that window shooting, and he wasn't. Um, it would have gone forward. You know what I mean? Right, Shoot right. somebody in the head and you're shooting from behind him, you would push him forward. So, whatever. I mean, that's just a big lie anyway. That whole museum thing up there is, I mean, they might have a little bit here and there seasoned with a few things that might be kind of true, but the rest of it's a big lie, a big whitewash. Let me ask you this, because you're married to, uh, to James Files. He is your husband. Um, but why do you believe him? What... Why, why does his story ring true for you? What, is, what did he tell you that uh, convinced you that he was the shooter? Okay, it goes way back to when I first read that book, High Treason, and everything that James Files would tell me, either what I saw in his confession video or subsequently that I'd ask him about and he'd tell me about it, it all matches. He's telling me the truth. I already know it. I mean, there's evidence that the FBI has had, the Dallas police have had, it's like, cough it up, you guys. It'll match, you know. It'll, it'll, the footprints will match James Files. The cigarette butts will have his, you know, some kind of DNA, whatever. Uh, the, the shell casing that he bit down on. I mean, it's like, it's all there. Okay, hang I mean, on. They you, want to open it up. You mentioned the could. shell casing. They case- never want to. Okay, Pamela, you mentioned the shell casing that he bit down on. Explain uh-huh. that, because this is an interesting story. You mentioned that he bit down on a shell casing. He left this at the scene, did he not? He did. This was what, his calling card? Yeah, that's what he said. He said he was kind of cocky at the time, and he just left it there. You know, at the time he was young, so he just did something silly like that. Now, you know, he knows that was a stupid thing to do, but that's what he did. And the shell casing was recovered? It was, and it was matched. Um, they did forensic tests and dental tests for his teeth, because he's got false teeth, and um, it, he would have had them at that time, too, because they got... He, Somebody knocked his teeth out with a rifle butt, and so he's had false teeth for a long time, and um, it would have matched. And who I mean, recovered who recovered that shell casing? Um, John Rademacher, I think is his name. Um, I think somebody in the Netherlands has it now, but, I mean, even, even if somebody produced it, they still don't want to open up this case with any of the physical evidence, any of the eyewitnesses' accounts, like, uh, what's the movie, JFK? 51 witnesses, you know, right there said the grassy knolls where the shots came from, or at least the, for sure the fatal headshot came from. And so it, it, let me go back again to the shell casing because this is important. 
that he left at the scene on the grassy knoll was recovered by a, a researcher who heard James Files' confession, and, and in which Files said, "Yeah, my shell casing is there with my, you know, and I bit down on it, my teeth imprints in it, or on it." And so they, the researcher went to the grassy knoll looking for the shell casing. No, um, it was a, um, it, it was a researcher. I believe that it was somebody that lived in that area, or they went to that area specifically with a metal detector looking for that. And then um, it, after it was recovered and the, uh, the people that put that uh, confession uh, video together, the first one from, um, from the 90s, uh, I believe he had, again, Mr. Vernon had somebody check it out where it, it was, where James Files had said, you know, check to see if any shell casings that are found have a, um, a, a tooth dent on the orifice because I, I did bite down, and the one that was found did have that, that tooth mark. I mean, James Files, how could he make that up? I mean, you'd have to know that. And so it, 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 was recovered, it was recovered some 30 years after the assassination? Yeah, I don't have that information right in front of me for the exact date, but, yeah, it was, like, long after. I, who knows? It might yeah. have been a plant or something. Who knows? Right, but right. As far as I know, it was. It matched. It was the right type of um, shell casing for the caliber of weapon that he said that he used. So you know. Let me get uh, my my colleague uh, JFK researcher uh, Nelson Thal in here for a quick question as well. Nelson, okay. yeah, did did your husband have any connection with Guy Bannister and David Ferry? He had a connection with David Ferry. He knew who Guy Bannister was, but he didn't take any direct orders from him. Uh, he did know his paymaster, um, H.L. Hunt. Uh, he, he knew the whole uh, network of the people that were associated with Chauncey Holt and uh, bringing Charles Nicoletti in with the uh, fake Social Security identification. Right, right. You know, the, a lot of the shooters were trained at Lake Pontrachane. Did, did he ever get there and do any training there? Train where? At Lake Pontrachane. Yes, there and in Florida, No Name Key. Uh-huh. And I'm working on getting some uh, specific locations and names for the camps in California right now. I'm working on that angle. What happened to, uh, or where did uh, your your husband go uh, after November 22nd? And, and why wasn't there, I guess they call it a wet team, uh, to, to, to take him out? To... He was valuable. He was a valuable asset. He was one of the wet team workers. And, right, they, yeah. and he was a person that would keep his mouth shut, and they, they liked having him around for many, many other operations that we don't have time to go into. How did he leave the Dealey Plaza area since a lot of shooters were told to hide in the railway cars that were backed in, uh, and that's where the tramps came from, were taken out of the railway cars? Do you know how he got out himself? He told me that um, Charles Nicoletti had said, just walk out of there, don't run walk out like at a natural gate, and uh, we're, we've got it covered, meaning we've got the cops covered, we've got the uh, Secret Service covered, so from covered. his military so intelligence, it's covered. From his position in Dealey Plaza, do you know, like, did he walk uh, across the plaza? Did he go, like, do you know his actual he route? Walked, the car was parked over um, on the side of the Dow Tech building, as far as I can recall correctly, and he... He said on the corner of Houston and Elm, yeah. he made eye contact with the cop, and he was ready to grab a gun if he had to, because, you know, he was going to shoot his way out of there if need be. But, um, and he, he just, just walked made eye out. contact, and he let him go. He just walked out. He just walked out. Uh-huh. Does it, at the time, did he have 
I mean, you mentioned uh, earlier that to him this was just another job that he had, you know, he had killed people before. This was just simply another job. But when you got to know him, was he or is he at all remorseful about um, having killed Kennedy? Um, <clears throat> he's a Christian now, so he says that he has compassion for humanity where he never did before, and what little he had, the CIA took it away and <laughs> made sure he never had it again. And he's truly surprised that he even has the capacity to love me, and he's loved me this long. He um, he says that he feels sorry and some remorse for what it did to his family, meaning his kids. But as far as what happened to our nation, this is where he and I go for it and <laughs> don't agree. He thinks it was better. He Just... hated Kennedy. He was with the Kennedy haters. He was with the Hunts and the Phillipses and the, those kind of guys, and and they would just... Uh, run sabotage around Kennedy's policies and basically the wink and the nod with the generals and the military folks, you know, they took over. And I disagree with Jimmy. I don't think that our country's better off because Kennedy was killed. We can, you know, agree to disagree on that. doesn't mean we got to blow up and hate each other. But, I mean, I just totally don't understand where, as a Christian, he can say that that's, that was a good thing for our country because we've never recovered from it. Well, was it uh, uh, was it the uh, the fact that that Kennedy was going to um, uh, pull the U.S. out of Vietnam? Was it the uh, the fact that he was issuing non-federal reserve money? Uh, did, did James have any uh, inside information on why uh, the CIA and others wanted Kennedy out of the way? Basically because they were setting up a major operation for the war in Southeast Asia. And, and if Kennedy was saying that he was for war, but then in the back rooms he was making deals to pull out troops, then they know about that. You know, they understand and they have their counterintelligence and they know that what he's doing is making it so that the people aren't going to be behind a war in Southeast Asia. And, and they didn't want to lose their profits from that 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 possibility and that was just one reason you know there's all the conspiracy and all this the money people and the you know the jesuits and the secret orders and everything else but yeah it was the military people that stood to lose a lot yeah. same reason that 911 happened same reason you know it's like these things have to happen so they can have more war Nelson, do you want? Yes, yeah, certainly. I think you're 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 sort of uh, you know it's like the thirteen men, blind men with the elephant. You're certainly filling in the different levels of the pyramid there. That's what about the actual gun? Does he still have the gun? Did he disassemble it and put it in his it, pocket, or did he hand it, it to somebody it was and they at his took aunt's it? Aunt's house and his uh, cousin, nephew, whatever by marriage or by blood, who knows? But um, somebody that was in the family that had access to go in there and find it underneath a bed, went out and was shooting birds with it got arrested for, you know, illegal firearm discharge, whatever they charge him with, and they took the gun, and he thinks the cops kept it because it's never surfaced. He's in, he's in prison now uh, for um, attempted murder of two police officers. Now, was he railroaded, or did he actually do that? They were trying to kill him, and it was self-defense, but you can never go into a courtroom and stand before a judge and jury and say that the cops were trying to kill him on a hit for, you know, 50 grand or whatever the amount was. No. And, and uh, why, I'm, I'm guessing the question that would leap to mind for many people listening is why is James Files still alive uh, if he's allowed to confess, you know, on, uh, on television and in documentaries and, 
you're a, and, and co-write a book with you. Why would he be allowed to do that? It's um, part miracle and uh, big part miracle. He, um, he never intended to talk about any of this, and he has been threatened um, by the FBI to give him more time, and they gave it to him. You're not going to have any breaks here, so whatever. 2016 is when we're looking at getting out. But um, How old a man is he? He's, he is 67 this year. I met him when he was 57. And he's eligible for parole in seven more years? Yes. So he'll be 74. Yeah. Can, do, you, do you think he'll, they'll let him walk? Do you think they'll let him live and, and actually... I think if he makes it with his health and everything, um, it, it'll be some kind of miraculous intervention between now and then. Uh, he physically doesn't think he'll live that long just because it's really poor living conditions. He doesn't live in a nice, posh, you know, modern prison. He lives in a hellhole that's freezing cold. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, make him suffer. He shot Kennedy. Well, you know, whatever. Um, Could he have been? It's a really horrible place to do time, and he's been there 18 going on 19 years, and I've been there 10 of them. What, what other operations before Dealey Plaza was he involved with that may be providing him with a, a, a guardian angel that keeps him alive this long? He says to me that he's never told me anything that will put me in danger, and I'm like, oh, really? Some of the stuff's pretty crazy, but... Um, was he involved in... I can't really talk too much about it. Like, this I, was I, not I, his first about, operation, right? So he was doing other operations and may have a guardian angel, like Cabell or somebody else, he right? He does. He does. He's got stories. And they tried to kill him, um, the men in black, whatever, the cars that pull up and kidnap you or the cars that pull up and machine guns, M10s or whatever they're called, they come out the window and they put out a whole can or a whole clip of weapons just flying everywhere, bullets flying everywhere, and, and he's a lot. He says he felt them going through his hair one time, the bullets just going through his hair. Pamela Ray is uh, with us from Hawaii, and uh, the book that you co-wrote with your husband, Interview with History, The uh, JFK Assassination. How is this book... Uh, being received by uh, by uh, let's say JFK assassination researchers uh, are they? Uh, you mean the r- real researchers? They like it, but the disinformation people they like to discredit me, and that's already been happening for years on end. So I don't care. I don't care what people say or think. I just put the truth out there and let people decide for themselves. Because you can never please everybody. There's always going to be people that uh, believe, cheer, raw. There's always been people for one reason or another don't believe or they have other motives for not letting your version of the truth get out there. I, I don't care. I mean, it's just out there for whoever wants it. How do you, how do you uh, feel, though, about, um, I mean, you may go down in history as uh, the man that, that married the man, who, the woman who married the man who killed Kennedy. How do I feel about that? Yeah. Uh, as long as everybody knows the whole story around it, um, I don't mind because I think... My motives were pure when I wrote him in the first place and when he initially asked me to do this. It was with a a good understanding. It was never something that I did for attention or for anything other than doing what he asked me to do, which is to write a book to put the story out there. And that's what I did. How can uh, people get a copy of Interview with History of the JFK Assassination Panel? They can go to authorhouse.com or they can go um, to any of the online bookstore, you know, Amazon, whatever, type in uh, Interview with History of the JFK Assassination, put Interview with History, Pamela Ray, R-A-Y, 
um, that that'd be the easiest way to get it. It is a um, self-published book. Author House is print on demand, so you just order it through their um, online uh, bookstore, or you can call and order over the book line. Give us the website again. For AuthorHouse.com. Okay. That it's just real easy. AuthorHouse.com, and then you can just put in the search when it says you know where you want to go on that website, and just type in that that's what you want to look for is that book. Pamela, thank you so much for this. Hey, thank you. I I hope I came across okay. And you certainly did. It's a fascinating chapter. Yeah, the story's not over yet, and I'm really getting into understanding more about this right-wing world that I was part of and the Hunt family and their involvement and how it's turned into the Council for National Policy. That's my newest thing I'm studying more and more about because I'm linking all the Jesuits and Knights of Malta and everybody, you know, conspiracy world. I'm putting it all together and... All right. Again no, with the Catholics, and I, I, I gotta, I gotta. All right, Pamela. Thank you for that. I gotta, I gotta uh, uh, caution uh, uh, people that uh, we're not talking about Catholics. We're talking about a secret society within certain groups, and um, these secret societies, of course, their tentacles, their tentacles are everywhere. It's not the uh, the Catholic Church that's nope. being impugned here. Let's be clear about that. I won't allow that on this program, Nelson. Yeah. All right. Wow, that's an interesting chapter, to be sure. We'll uh, wrap things up. Nelson Thal in studio, JFK assassination researcher. And uh, we still have a few moments uh, remaining for calls if you'd like to weigh in on who you think killed JFK and maybe a motive. 416-360-0740 and out of town toll free 1-866-740-4740. But no, what happened was... Oswald's gun went off, causing an echo to echo through the buildings of Dealey Plaza. And the echo went by the limo on the left, up into the grassy knoll, hitting some leaves, causing dust to fly out, which 56 witnesses testified was a gunshot, because immediately Kennedy's head went over. But the reason his head went over is because the echo went by the motorcade on the left, and he went, what was that? So there, we have figured it out. Go back to bed, America. Your government has figured out how it all transpired. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control again. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations, what goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zuma Radio, AM 740. All right. Got to love the late, uh, great Bill Hicks talking about the Kennedy assassination. Nelson Thal stays with us uh, in studio, the man who smuggled the Sapruder film into Canada, and uh, the late Marshall McLuhan's uh, archivist. And we just heard from uh, Pamela Ray, who is married to James Files. CIA mob hitman who claims to be the grassy knoll gunman who fired the uh, fatal headshot. What did you make of uh, what she had to say, Nelson? She sounded she sounded very sincere, uh, credible. sincere, credible, and of course she does come from her uh, angle and say the same thing as Skolnick and uh, 
and as Garrison said, and as Penn Jones and May Brussel, the Nazi connection to the JFK assassination, and Shaw's connected to Michael Payne, to George de Morinchild, to the Knights of Malta, to the Black Pope, and Shaw's also connected to Ruth Payne, to Daddy Bush, and we know Daddy Bush and Prescott Bush and the Bush family financed Hitler, and Webster Tarpley's written about that, and that's the connection. Now, that Bush. is documented because Prescott was charged uh, under the Trading with the Enemies Act, so right. I'm not going to challenge you on that one. That's Fact. And Bush to the CIA, to the S, the SS, the Waffen SS, to the Society of Jesus, which is comes from the Waffen Waffen SS, is modeled by the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 I'm not comfortable with that one. Hang on, let's go to the phone. Vaticanassassins.org, Rich. All right, alleged, uh, all alleged. Let's uh, go to Buffalo and say hi to Frank. Frank, welcome to the Conspiracy Show on AM seven forty. Yeah, thank you. Great show, guys. Thank you. It's, uh, terrific. Yeah, Nelson, I was just uh, wondering, I, I've been listening and um, uh, about uh, your theory, or not theory, but your, um, what you're saying about the military-industrial complex and their, um, you know, their involvement in this uh, and how they benefited. But also, I was just wondering about the, the mob themselves. Uh, apparently, they had shooters there. They also benefited, right, because the Kennedys were coming after them hard, um, if I'm not mistaken. And so... Um, uh, they benefited also from uh, Kennedy being assassinated. Is that correct? Yes, that's for certainly correct. And Pamela identified the shooters as uh, uh, Rosselli, yeah. uh, Charles Nicoletti, Charles Nicoletti, and uh, so all the CMG and Connor's boys. Yeah. So yeah, and, and Carlos Marcelo too, right? I mean, Bobby Kennedy had him deported at one time, and, and he got back into the country. And I guess he he really hated Bobby and de- decided, in uh, in his own words, instead of uh, well, instead of getting the tail off the dog, meaning killing. Bobby, well, let's get the head, meaning Jack, and uh, and that just took, took care of the whole thing. Frank in Buffalo, thanks for the call. Hope you'll call thanks, again. Frank. Let's go to uh, Connecticut and say hello to, is it uh, Dana or Dana? Uh, Dana. Hey, Dana, welcome. Yes, um, great show. I hope in the future you can have on uh, St. John Hunt, E. Howard Hunt's son. He's got a great e-book out. And, yes, uh, because of his, uh, his late father's uh, deathbed confession. Right, excellent. I hope in the future you get him on. And I also like, I think you could have on, if she's still living, um, Oswald's mistress from New Orleans. Her name was um, oh, yeah. Judith um, Bart. Yeah, Judith, I uh, forget her last name. Yeah. Oh, Bar- Barry Baker, Barry Baker, or Varney Something Baker. I'm not that. sure. Right, right. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, Dr. Crenshaw had a book out uh, shortly before he passed away. It was called Conspiracy of Silence, and um, he said that um, there was a frontal throat shot before the uh, the the, uh, um, the head the head shot. Yes, of course, um, we see Kennedy cl- uh, clutching his throat. Yeah, I wanted to ask um, the lady, um, Pamela, if um, she knew uh, who shot that. That was, that was also from that area. could have been from the overpass or the cattle car, the train car. Um, I know that Charles Harrelson and E. Howard Hunt were two, positively identified as two of the tramps. Um, Charles Harrelson was an incredible shot. Um, he shot a federal judge from about... Oh, I don't know, 500 yards or something, or 300 yards? Well, Pamela, uh, regrettably not with us to answer the question. We know that it wasn't James E. Files who fired the shot. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, we didn't get an exact William number of Cooper, shooters. Um, the late William Cooper, I have his uh, Zapruder film. He um, uh, told me um, when I ordered the film for him that he has the only, quote-unquote, undoctored uh, Zapruder film uh, you know, out there. And I do have copy of the film in my possession and if you um freeze frame uh uh 
frames 306, 307, and 308. Um, It really superbly looks like, um, without a doubt in my mind, that William Greer, the driver, um, has some kind of a pistol in his left hand. Ah, okay. Well, Um, I was sort of, uh, uh, I guess... um, uh being a little bit satirical when I mentioned, you know, that some people believe that the limo driver was actually the shooter. So you think there is some credence to that, then? Well, yes, but um, let, let me just tell your audience and, and, and you and your um, the gentleman with you, does the Pruder film you see on the Internet and the one you can buy in the video, well, you could buy in the video stores like 10 years ago or so. I don't know if they still have them. It's this Cooper film. I think you can still get it. I think his website is the hourofthetime.com, I believe. This is a totally different um, film. Um, it looks, you wouldn't even, even recognize, I mean, well, you'd recognize, but I mean, the way the frames are, um, especially the frames with the driver, yeah, we've all um, seen it's them. none of this like Kellerman's head jazz they try to portray, you know. Oh, you're seeing the sunlight hit the chrome, and then the chrome hit Kellerman's head, who was the, uh, in the passenger seat. Um, uh, uh, it's, um, it's an incredible uh, yeah, I've seen the pictures. It's it's interesting. It didn't really show on the very first early pictures of the of the Zapruder film that were shown in 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 '69 in the courtroom. Dana in uh, Connecticut, thank you so much for uh, for calling and listening. Hope you'll call again. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Arthur here in Toronto. Arthur, welcome. Hi. With all the talk, and I'm still wondering, like thousands of others, what part did Oswald have? Was he just a front man? Was he just, was he just an excuse? No, uh, no, no, no. He was he, he a was Patsy. a double agent. He was actually infiltrating. He's an FBI informant. He was a CIA informant. He worked for the military. He spoke six or seven languages. He was there to try and warn the American government that uh, that these guys he had infiltrated and was a snitch. He was exposing it, trying to stop it. He was trying to stop it. He was turned into the to the Patsy. But didn't they show a picture of that floor? In a box that he was sitting on near the window? No, he was never at any window. Matter of fact, in the Alkins picture, which you can see on the link that we said earlier in the show, you can see him in the doorway in the James Alkins uh, AP wire. Uh, go to twitter.com forward slash bloom, B L O O M Lenny, twitter.com forward slash bloom Lenny, and there you'll see a link to Richard Serrett Conspiracy Show. If you click on that, you'll see a whole photo gallery of. Uh, Oswald pictures that uh, Nelson has been so kind as to assemble, and uh, you will see the uh, the famous AP photograph of um, was it an AP photo? Yeah, AP it ran photo. on AP wire. Yeah, AP wire uh, of of uh, From, taken by their photographer James Alkins. Alkins. At the moment of the instant, inst- absolute instant of Kennedy putting his his fist to his throat, and you see Oswald in the doorway, doorway. on the yeah. street, uh, and that's where he said he was in testimony. Well, all right. When he was interviewed. Uh, back uh, with a few moments uh, remaining here on the uh, JFK assassination special, The Conspiracy Show, with Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Next week on the program, arguably the world's most important UFO disclosure advocate, Stephen G. Bassett, fresh from his speaking tour in Europe, uh, will be here. And a, a special hello to all of those uh, who were down at uh, De La Salle College, Oakland's on Farnham Avenue in Toronto to watch the uh, James Fox documentary, I Know What I Saw. It was good to, uh, to see you all out there and to meet some of you in person. Also on the program next week, we'll uh, speak with uh, Dr. Patricia Doyle. What is going on in Ukraine? 
with this, uh, I don't know, is it a uh, uh, pneumonic plague? Is it um, some strain of the swine flu? It's uh, it's quite frightening what's going on over there. Anyway, she'll uh, she'll have a lot to say about that, I'm sure. And also Timothy Ball, Professor Timothy Ball, um, will be here to debunk uh, what is now, of course, being called global, uh, or rather a climate change. They don't call it global warming anymore because that's pretty well been uh, disproved, I think. Anyway, now they call it global or um, a climate change, and they're blaming that on us too. Anyway, Professor Tim Ball will be along. Right now, a few minutes uh, remain with Nelson Thal. You just handed me a copy of Josiah Thompson's um, the famous book, Six Seconds in Dallas, Irrefutable Evidence That Oswald Could Not Have Killed JFK Alone. And on page 282, you point to a picture, a photograph from the Nicks film, which is thought uh, by many to show a man firing a rifle from the uh, the roof of a station wagon. Uh, but there's also an arrow pointing to somebody positioned in the grassy knoll, and you and I are wondering, is that James Files? Perhaps it is. Yeah, they call him the badge man, and, the, and the, he may very well have been the badge man, James Files. All right, a few minutes uh, remain, uh, yeah. Nelson, um, in, 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 in summing up. Let me ask you, I mean, are you satisfied that the JFK... Uh, murder has in fact been solved. I mean, we may not know all the names, but we know who did it, basically who were behind the trigger men and why they did it. Are you satisfied? Yeah, I'm satisfied that we know the major levels of the pyramid and understand that it was an organization and some of this was planned hundreds of years ago and was... Hundreds of years ago? Certainly, uh, with the the Reformation and... The uh, Jesuits brought in the counter-reformation. Oh, there we go with the, uh, the Catholic bashing again, Nelson. It's not Watch Catholic. it. Watch it's it. It's not Catholic. It's got nothing to Be do careful. with Catholics. And it's really above the Vatican. It's it's the Cheripeter and the power of the Cheripeter to make sure that it remains sovereign. And when America and Britain broke away from the uh, the throne of, of Peter and the Church of Rome, when it broke away and art and literature and an explosion of free choice. We were given free choice and that created the ref- the Renaissance. They now want to put that back. They want the enemy of the of the papacy has always been America. And I suggest people read the book, The New Dark Ages Conspiracy by Carol White, Britain's Plot to Destroy Civilization. See, I can, this is all part of I, I can buy into it the, the fact that the, 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 the British imperialists uh, were behind this because they wanted to take the colony back that Mad King George lost, and they'd been trying ever since you know 1776, and so this was the final, the final uh, step in 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 taking over uh, or taking back the colony, and that was uh, taking the they already infiltrated the Pentagon perhaps through uh, Operation Paperclip, and we got to remember this with James the first the Vatican and papacy not the Vatican the papacy took back control of the English throne. So the, the crown heads of Europe became a league with the commissioner of the league and the head of the league being the chair Peter and the Pope. The JFK assassination planned hundreds of years. Uh, in It's hundreds of years in the making. Fascinating uh, as always. Uh, Nelson, again, uh, we can hear you online at cloakanddagger.ca, the, your, your archives, and uh, also at thatchannel.com dot com. Thursday night Thursday at, nine nights o'clock. at 9 o'clock live. Always a pleasure, Nelson. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And leave the Catholics alone for crying out loud. Absolutely. Thanks uh, to uh, Danny Ellison back here Sunday night. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, and what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.